theyeshiva.net. We're going to begin by Ezra Hashem today, a new Mimer, a Sukkot Dika Mimer. Page 156, on top it says Hazinu or Daf Ayin Ches, page Ayin Ches, column 3, Ayin Ches Amud Gimel. You see it says Jushim Lusukkot and Shemini Atzeres. This is where the Mimerim for Sukkot and Shemini Atzeres begin. Ushaafta Mayin Besasim and Mayin HaYeshua. This Maimir by the Balatanya was said on Shmini Atzeres of the year Tov Kuf Samach. Tov Kuf Samach Shmini Atzeres, which would be. No? Not 1809, but 1799. 1799. And um, it focuses on the meaning, the inner meaning of the simcha of Sukkot, the simcha's Beis Sheva of Sukkot. And it opens up with the Pasuk, after Mayim Besosin Mimane HaYeshua. Is a pasuk in Yeshaya. Literally, it means you shall draw water with joy from the wellsprings of salvation. As we know, Sukkot there was a unique service, a unique avoda that was unlike, different than a whole year, known as Nisuchamayim. Meaning, every night of Sukkot, right before dawn, I'm saying every night, every morning of Sukkot, right before dawn. There would be a procession, a march, that would go from the Beis Hamikdash down to the Shiloyach Spring. Perhaps some of you have visited the Shiloyach Spring. Draw water, make a procession back up to the Harabayas, to the Temple Mount, to the Beis Hamikdash, and in the morning, the Koyen would pour this water, a goblet of water, pour a flask of water onto the Mizbeach together with wine that they would pour every morning anyway, Nisach they did for the Tamar Shal Shachar, the Tamar Shal Ben Arabayim, for the Musaf, like we speak about always, V'niskehem, U'nisachehem, U'nisachehem, those were the wine libation. That was done every day in the Beis HaMikdash, Shabbos, Yom Tif. But Sukkot, they did Nisach every morning throughout all the days of Sukkot, together with the pouring of the wine by the tam- after the Tamar Shal Shachar, but here there was a unique concept. You don't draw the water stamp. You do it with joy. So a whole night before they would dance. And this was known as the Simcha of Simcha's Beis HaShayeva. Shayeva means drawing, pulling the water, taking the water. The Simcha connected with Shiva Samayim, that was a Simcha of Sukkot. On this, the Mishnah, the Gemara says in Masech Tasukkot, Kol Mish Simcha's Beis HaShayeva Leira Simcha Meyamav. Whoever did not see the simcha, the dancing, the singing, the juggling, and the ecstasy during the night of Simcha's Beis HaSheva, never saw simcha in his entire life. And this was all a preparation for the procession after the dancing in the morning before dawn to go get the water. And then the next night again, the same dancing. And Chazal and Masech Tzuka, there's a whole sugi describing how the, the, the joy and the, the jumping and the dancing and the instruments and the vocalists, the G'dayle Hadar, would juggle, would sit and juggle, Avukas Shaloi, and the Menoides would light up the whole Yerushalayim. The Gemara says, A woman could sift her wheat 
in the middle of the night because of the light of Simcha Shevi. Remember in a time before Thomas Edison, there was no electric, there were no lights, but that, that, that's how much the light of Simcha Shevi was. Now, if you study Svarim of Yiddishkeit throughout all the generations, Chachmei Hadoiris, we're very perplexed by this. There is some what we would call in Hebrew a chidos stuma, a code here, a mystery. What generated the great simcha around Nisuch What was it? Vos epis, vos On the contrary, logically it's the other way around. You give people to drink wine, it produces some simcha. You give people to drink water, most people don't get drunk over water. At least I never saw it. If you can get drunk over water, you'll be pretty healthy. Just drink and drink and drink. Don't stop drinking water. You're depressed? A shot of water. You come home stressed? A shot of water. Glass of, just keep it to the water. You'll be good. But we see it's not that way. Yayin is a, it's a little different. And there's a posik. It's not just it's not just Amri Yinshi. It's a posik. Yayin, misameach. Posik, sefer shoiftim. Misameach, leva noshim. The Gemara says, in area of nichnes, yayin, so the Chachmei Hadoyrists wanted to understand what's this avoid of Nisach So you could say it's a Xeris HaKosov. Shem wants us to pour wine. You understand why he wants you to pour wine? Same reason he wants you to pour wine. He wants you to pour water for seven days. If you'll understand wine, you'll understand water. Zalzayin Azay. But there's a whole simcha associated with it. That means there's some experience. There's some experience of joy. And what's the connection to Sukkot Epis? And what's Epis here? A whole night of Simchas Beis and why not every mitzvah? It's a mitzvah. Every mitzvah you should have such simcha. So before you put on tefillin, you should also dance a whole night before for tefillin. That's your minig, yeah? <laughs> this is the background to appreciate what this mimer is going to be addressing. Ksiv, the Pasuk says, He starts right away with the Pasuk, because the mimer was said on Shemini and he was summing up, so to speak, Sukkot and getting to Shmini Atzeres. The Pesach says, "Be'yoyma Shmini Atzeres Tiyalachem in Parshas Pinchas." And the diuk here is Lachem. What's Pshat? Be'yoyma Shmini Atzeres Tiyalachem. The diuk is Lachem. Be'yoyma Shmini on the eighth day Atzeres Tiyalachem. It should be for you. Pirush. Kibchol Hashan Nahayim Akriv and Al Gabi Amizbeach Parim Elim Kvasim Seidim. This means comes as in context of a whole year. A whole year they would offer carbonus on the altar. What? Bulls, rams, sheep, goats. Those are the minim. Those are the types of animals that were offered on the Mizbeach. Parim are oxen, bulls. Elim are rams from the sheep family. Kvasim, sheep, younger sheep. And Sidim are goats. And there would be a heavenly fire in Bayis Rishon that would come down on the Mizbeach. The Gemara says in Yuma, it looked like a crouching lion. Yuma Dav Chafalaf. It looked like a crouching lion. And the fire would consume the flesh, the fat of the carbonus every single day, 365 days a year on the Mizbeach. Come Sukkot. Every day in uh, in Bayis Rishon. Bayis Rishon. Or by Sukkot, there was an additional element. They would pour water on the altar. And the Mishnah says, Nesachamayim called Shiv. This went for seven days. Til Shmini Atzeres. Ach b'yoyma Shmini Atzeres. Tiyalachem l'chalab chines 
This is now Pshat in the passage. On the eighth day, all of this, the whole year's Karbonus, and the Nisachamayim of Sukkot, finally all of it is gathered, Lachem, it goes to you. It becomes yours. Which is going to be explained now, but this is just his introduction to the whole explanation. The word Atzeres means, um, the Targum says Atzeres is to gather. The word in Hebrew we say Atzor. What's a stop sign, yeah? Atzor, stop. Whenever you gather people, you also stop them because they're remaining in one place. <coughs> they're not scattering, they're not moving around. So by Yom Hashmini, on the eighth day, Atzeres, it all gets gathered, congealed, and internalized within yourself. To explain this whole concept. Now, here he's going to say a few lines as introduction, but I want you especially to focus in on these three lines because you will see here an axiomatic idea, meaning a Yisaitisdik idea of an approach. Here is the Yisait. Now that there's no Besamiktish and there's no Mizbeach, no altar, Tzarech Kol Echot. Every person needs to needs to find words of love in his soul. When there's a Beis HaMiktosh and a Mizbeach, you could somehow rely that the experience is happening somewhere in the world, and you're good. You can go back onto your hammock. Somebody is doing what has to be done in order to keep the world in order. Somebody's pouring water, somebody's pouring wine, somebody's offering bulls. That's why we have Kayanim and we pay them taxes. We give them Trumas and Maestras and whatever we have to give them in order for them the Chavdalad Matnas Kahuna, in order for them to do a Shlich Tzibur. You do the job, let me do my thing. The Balatanya says now none of this exists physically. So what happens now? It's not Pshat, all this becomes irrelevant. Now the challenge is Divrei is an interesting expression from the word chafetz, chafetza, desire, love. Every person has to find Divrei sweet words, lovable words in his own soul and understand that all the pchinnas, El Shalmaila, meaning everything that's experienced on Yom Tif or Shabbos or every day exists in his own heart in Avodah Hashem. In every generation, So now the challenge in every generation is that the fire that burnt in the base of Mikdash all year, burning up the lambs, I have to find in myself. And the water that was poured seven days on Sukkot, I have to find in my own soul. And Shmini Atzeres that brought it all together, I have to find all in my soul. And here he has, captures in a few lines, one of the big, big Yisoydis, and really functions of the Torah of the Baal Shem Tev and his Talmidim. Which basically, when you study it, you see that it's constantly focused on this theme. There's no mitzvah, there's no carbon, there's no halacha. Not in Torah Shabbat, not in Torah Shabbat, that you can't find in your own nefesh. So there was a time in Jewish history, time of the Beis HaMikdash, when so many of these things were done in a practical, physical way, in the spiritual epicenter of the world, and that sufficed. 
the time of the Churban is not only a Churban of destruction in a negative sense, it also created a whole new opportunity and a whole new challenge, like every opportunity. And that is to appreciate the relevance, the personal relevance, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, within every person's mind and heart, what does this mean in my life? So I read Kavodis HaKarbonis every day. I can't bring a carbon. It's internal. What's the carbon I'm bringing? What's the fire that's burning it up? What's the bull? What's the ram? What's the sheep? What's the goat? What's this wine that I'm pouring? What's the Mizbeach? What's the Beis Hamikdash? What's the Eish? All the Avodis, he says, I have to find it. Lamata belev kol echad v'echad. Ubechol Every person needs to find this in his nefesh. Lidus benafshe. And this side that he brings here is a theme, even though he doesn't always give this introduction. But I'm pointing it out because many, as you probably realize, many of the Maimarim focus on this. Right away, going from the physical manifestation to the emotional counterpart in the human heart. That's the entry into what the discussion of the Maimar is. This also means, of course, that there's no mitzvah that's not observed today. There are mitzvahs that can't be observed physically. In fact, most mitzvahs can't be observed physically. There are so many mitzvahs for which you need either Eretz Yisrael, you need to be in Eretz Yisrael, or you need a Beis HaMikdash, Animus Beach, purity, and you need a lot of different Tnoyim sometimes, how many Jews are in Eretz Yisrael, so you have many mitzvahs that Bechlal don't apply today. Coming Sukkot, you, you had a mitzvah of Hakel. You had a mitzvah of Hakel. Hakel, you need a Melech with a Beis HaMikdash. I mean, all these types of Inyan. So that's all if you're talking about the technical implementation of the mitzvah in Gashmias. If you're talking about the, finding the meaning of the mitzvah, the deeper meaning of the mitzvah on an emotional level, this every mitzvah is equally timeless and eternal throughout all the generations. So he starts explaining, before to get to Nisach HaMayim, you first have to get to Nisach Hayayin, and before to get to Nisach Hayayin, you first have to go through the Karbonas. So it's going to take some time to get to Sukkot here. Because there's no, you don't jump to Nisach HaMayim, you don't start with Sukkot. It's, it's, it's a process. So he's going to start off with the Eish, understanding the Eish, with the Podim and the Elim and the Seidim and the Kvasim. From there, you can then get Eish afterwards to Nisuch HaMayim of Sukkot, and then at the end of Shemini Atzeres. V'hinei Amri Razal, Chazal tell us, Gemara Mesech Tebrachis, Tfilo is Kineget Midn Tikna. Gemara in the beginning of Perek, Tfilo's HaShachar in Mesech Tebrachis, Dav Chavav, says the Big Klal, that Tfilo were instituted connected karbonas tmidim, meaning every day there was a carbon tamid in the base hamikdash. Tamid means perpetual, consistent, because 365 days a year they offered a sheep in the morning and a sheep in the afternoon, which we say every morning before davening: the lamb in the morning, the lamb in the afternoon. And that carbon tamid was brought every single day without exception, and hence Chazchamim instituted shachris and mincha. Connected the carbonus tmidim and even mayriv because the, often the last carbon, the carbon tamid, was burnt at night. It was consumed at night. So taking this now from the physical to the spiritual, the Gemara says in Maseches Tainus in the beginning, to serve him with all your heart. What's the avoid in the heart? Which avoid in the heart? Zutfila. That's davening. 
Davening is Avoidish Abelev in Yiddish. As the Yusatarch, Avoidish Abelev in hearts and mit hearts. Avoidish Abelev, Beis in Hebrew is, could mean both things. It means in and with. Beis Hashim. So Avoidish Abelev's Tfilas, the Avoid of Tfilas in the hearts, in the heart, and mit the hearts, with the heart. So Avoidish Abelev's Tfilas, the Halev, who Remus connected on Mizbeach. The lave represents the altar, the mezbech in the base hamikdash. Kshem shahayu beis mezbechus. Pnimi vechitzin kachyesh belave beis pchinas chitzayni yisalave or pnimi yisalave. Just like in the base hamikdash, you had two separate altars. One was the mezbech apnimi inside the heichel, which was roofed, which was an inside chamber, which was not accessible to everybody. Only kayanim could go in there, and over there they would never bring animals. Only burning incense. Every morning the, the kayan gadol would burn incense on that Mizbech. He had the spices, 11 types of herbs that were ground and mixed together. We say them in the morning, and they would be placed on the altar which had burning coals on it and the smoke and the aroma would go up inside the Heichel. That was every morning and in the evening, the Ketayr, in the afternoon. That's the Mizbech HaPnimi. The outer Mizbech was in the courtyard of the Harabais, the courtyard of the Besamidosh, without a roof. It was accessible. Everybody could see it. Yisraelim and men and women and children could come to the Arabais. There were sections that different people can go, but everybody could see the Mizbeach where the Koyanim would do the Avoid. That was the outer altar, literally it was outside, outdoors, and that's where the Karbonis were brought, the animals were brought every day. The Karban Tamid in the morning, Karban Tamid in the afternoon, and any individual who had to bring a Karban throughout the day, that was the place that the animals were brought, or not only animals, a lot of Karbonis were not animals, they were meal offerings, grain, Grain offerings, barley, usually grain offerings that were brought, flour or matzah that was burnt on the mizbech. Fine, that's the mizbech. Achitz mizbech apnimi. We're now talking about divrei chayfitz benafsha in your own soul. So he says there's two dimensions to the heart: the outer heart and the inner heart. Kenoida, it's known. The mizbech apnimi nikra koil demama daka shubchinas kala pnima v'nikra gamken mizbech azov ubchinas aver rabber shemubchinas kamaylas azov ala kesef. This is in the brackets. The mizbech azov is called koil demama daka. There was no loud noises over there. It was a koil demama daka. It's kala pnima, the inner voice, which he also discussed atem nitzavim about shoifer the koil of pnimi is halev bakshuponai. This is called mizbech azov. Zav is much more precious than kesev, than gold, than silver. Zav is the pchina of uh, much more expensive. It's called kol apnima. It's averabak. Kashem after the brackets. Kashem shoyim akriven al mizbech achitzin kolar karbonas parim veilam ukvasim. Just like on the mizbech achitzin, they used to offer all the animals, meaning bulls, rams, sheep, etc. Echulik tzorich kol kach tzorich kol echad betfilosa laoyder es haav hativis beliboy. By davening, every person ought to arouse the natural love in his heart, which is called the external dimension of the heart, that it should, to slay it means it should go ablaze, it should fire up. A lot is a burning, powerful blaze, flame. Like a powerful glow of fire, where this dimension of the heart emerges, it's revealed, it's not plucked. And this essentially is 
the representation of the heavenly fire that came down in the image of a lion to burn up the carbonus. Is it Lishitas, so? Because the Pitonius had the Arya Shag. Right. That's the Arya Shag, yeah, yeah. The Zelba Arya. <laughs> the same Arya Shag, Milayir, in the Maimon of Atom Nitzav. Yeah. <laughs> Question. I don't think it's relevant. Yeah. Why would, it, would an Arya come down if Arya is not kosher? It's not such a side question. It's a good question. You want to know, if we come to Arya, right? A lion is not kosher. Okay, it's a good shine. Hold, hold on to it. We'll address it. Blinad. What's the Nekudi here? What is the Balatanya saying here? Tfila is Bamakim Tmidin. What's the Tmidin? They would have a sheep, they would offer it. And its flesh and its fat were burnt every morning and afternoon on the outer Mizbeach. That was the Tmot. What's Tfila now? Tfila is a substitute for that. Now no one by a Tfila brings a sheep, nobody sacrifices a sheep, and nobody burns a sheep by davening. But the concept is the same. The Matara, the purpose of the Avoidah of Tfila, which is in the heart, which is connected to Mizbeach, is that a person should arouse in his heart, discover a sense of Avas Hashem, that burns like a fire. We'll soon see what it consumes. But it burns like a fire because love, when it's revealed, burns like a fire. When it's concealed, it doesn't burn like a fire. It's numb, it's plugged. This A, she says, comes milmaila. Why? Because that's the whole point. The love doesn't have to be created. The love is there. The love is a gift. The love is part of who you are. We don't have to create love. The love is there. The question is if it's concealed, if it's repressed. The love could be tremendously repressed and very plugged up behind closed doors that we ourselves are unaware of it. Which is true sometimes in a person's life generally. Love with, with, with our love towards ourselves, love towards other people, love towards God, they all work together. Sometimes you just can't feel it. Especially, we spoke about this many times, some of us feel that we have to close our hearts at some point because it's too vulnerable. When your heart is open, you can get hurt. But remember, when I close my heart, nothing goes in, but nothing goes out either. Nothing affects me. So I can't even feel love to those who I want to feel love to because I stop loving. But it's not that the love is not there. That's why the love is always there. And the love is Eishmael It's not something you have to create. It was given to you. It's a heavenly love that exists within you. The person never has to create it. Just like a child and a, a mother to a child. A child, there's a natural love. You don't have to create it. There could be issues, there could be obstacles, there could be concealments. But you don't have to create the love. If you exist, you have this love. Every Jew has this love. Elamai, I need to be at Megala. I have to arouse it. I have to reveal it. That's the Eish al that burns up the Karbonus. That's the Eish. The question now is... What does it have to do with a lion? For who Alderech Mashakasov, Yerlishitase is gonna Alderech Mashakasov, it's what the Pasik says in Hoshea, Achreashem Yelechu Kaarya Yishak. The Pasik in Yeshaya says they will follow Hashem, they will walk after Hashem, he will roar like a lion. So he touches here, it's not separate. Achreashem Achreashem Yelechu. That's the love that causes you to follow Achere Hashem. And this love is expressed like the roar of a lion, which is why the fire that came down looked like a lion. Because this fire inside the person is that lion that roars. Now, what's Pshat? 
The roar of a lion, as you know, is one of the very, very powerful. Huh? We'll open your heart most quickly. It opens the heart. But, okay, so I'm not here talking about in terms of fear and danger if you happen to be right there. That's a whole different experience. But uh, maybe it's not. That's where you really, you know, see it. But the majesty of it and the intensity of it and the power of it is very, very palpable. It's very felt. So when the Navi says, Ka'arya Yishak, that's his point, that this Ava is powerful. It's real. It's raw and it's intense. Meaning, it's a, it's, a, it's a love that's mislahevis. Mislahevis means it burns. Or mislahetas, again, it's a It's burning ablaze. Khalili, you see sometimes a fire burning in a destructive way. And you say, this is a fire. It's a brenta fire. This love exists. When a person remembers Hashem and he doesn't want to be separate, and this love is aroused, there's a tremendous passion of The Pasuk says to Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu says in Veschanan, Your God is a consuming fire. What's Pshat? What does it consume? Eish, oichla eish. It's a fire that eats up fire. There's many fires that people have in life because we need passion. We need passion. Human beings, animals too, but human beings need passion. You need an age. The question is, what is your passion? Is it an age zara? And an age zara we learned in the previous Maim in Shuvi Yisrael, we learned about Shreifa, what Shreifa is versus Skila. Skila Sefer Echenek again, not physically, but in Avoida. So we spoke about an age zara. Age zara means an alien fire. Alien fire means it's ultimately alien to who you really are and what you really want. It's an outlet, it's a substitute. It's very, very strong. It gives you a, uh, a glimpse of having a passion. It feels like you're passionate about something. But it's really Zara. It's alien to you. Therefore, it's destructive to you. It alienates you from yourself. And it's completely alien from your own truth. We know how true this is in so many people's lives. They need a passion. And therefore, they find different things where they can develop a passion very easily. Very small price to pay. Financially, maybe a big price. But uh, relative to discipline, it's a small price. It seems fun, exciting. You get passionate about it. But you're always left dry, numb, and empty because it's not really feeding your soul. It's not even fulfilling the real passion you're looking for, and therefore tomorrow you need it again, and usually more because it's never real. So you always need more because you always have to match the previous high and up it. If you don't up it, you don't elevate it a notch. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? No, you're you're looking at me like uh, when the Meshuggah has wanted to make sure everybody knows some people know what I'm talking about. Do vases, do best dancing. It's real cocaine. We'll start dogma. The introductory price is low, but the cost is heavy. Very good. The introductory price is low, but the cost is heavy, especially long term. But Eish Zara exists on many levels. You have Eish Zara as a full-fledged addiction. That's not true for everybody. But Eish Zara is a concept that exists also in, in more benign ways. So Hashem is an Eish. What's Hashem is an Eish? Why would Moshe Rabbeinu call God fire? 
So some people see it as a very scary idea. God is fire, he's going to burn you. Well, the Balatanya Kedarka, the great Masakin, what he's telling us is no. A relationship with God is always fire. What's the fire? The fire burns up all the fires that are destructive. All the passions, all the alien feelings that you need simply because you're a czar. You're a czar to yourself. You're an alienated, you're alienated to yourself. You don't belong there. You think you belong there. You feel like you belong there because you don't have nothing else. That's Hashem Alekecha Eish Oichla. If Hashem doesn't produce a fire, Moshe says it's not Hashem Alekecha. If there's a relationship with the divine, Brenta fire. There's a fire. If there's no fire, if everything is dead and cold and numb and lifeless, it's not a relationship with the divine. If you're in a relationship with Hashem, Dav Brenna fire. There's a fire burning. Ayid once told me, Ayid in Pittsburgh, his name is Estra, the Blabel Estra. So he once told me when he was a kid, he lived in Rhode Island. And there was a chazan there. This is the old American Jews who went to shul who were from, but they were very, very American. So they had like their own style. So this was a chazan. He would go to the Amit. If in the middle of Chazar's Hashat somebody was talking, he himself would turn around in the middle of Chazar and tell the person to be quiet. Says, that was the, the tipus, the, the, the tip of the person. So he says the person once told him that in 1927 he was in a car accident. Those old cars of the 1920s, I don't know if you remember them, but you saw them, huh? <laughs> and he was in an accident. And uh, the police came, and he was unconscious, lying on the grass over there. They came. They didn't have, of course, the equipment they have today. And they declared him dead on the sea. They covered him with a sheet. He was stuck unconscious. And they sent him to the morgue. He's in the morgue. He's telling this to Label Esther, who told it to me. And at some point, the, they had a big African-American strong man who was handling the bodies, and he comes down, the refrigerators were full. But once a mace, a corpse was taken, they refilled it, they, they filled up the ones, the ones that were there in the morgue, they shouldn't decompose. So uh, an African-American, he says, a big, huge man was handling the bodies, and he came down into the morgue, and it was his turn to get into the freezer, because there was place in the freezer. So he said, he's with a sheet, he's on a stretcher, and this man starts taking his stretcher with wheels, and he's bringing him to the freezer to put him in. On the way, he wakes up. On the way he wakes up, he was already without any cloaks, without any garments, just had a sheet over him, and it was a morgue. And, uh, and, he, he, look, and he looks up from the sheet, he looks up, and it was the greatest nightmare you can imagine. This huge guy, an African-American holy brother in 1927, is looking at him and wheeling him, and he looks at the man and he says, I'm cold, I'm cold, I'm cold. The man looks at him and he says, you ain't cold, you're dead. <laughs> he said, that gave him chiyos and avoidus Hashem throughout his life. You ain't cold, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> because the mechitza between coldness and deadness is very, very thin. Very thin. Extremely thin. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Hashem Alekech is always Eish Oichla. There's a fire. And you need the fire. If there's no passion, it's not going to get rid of any other passions. Meaning, a Yiddish guy that's passionless doesn't have the power to compete against a world that's full of passion. You can't introduce a Judaism that's passionless and hope that it competes with everything else that's full of passion. There's so much passion in everything. We are going to deal with that passion. Of course it's going to be an Ezra, unless you could find 
An Eish Oichla that eats up that Eish. Eats up doesn't mean eats up, destroys. Consumes. Subsumes it. When the small age gets consumed in the, in the big age, it didn't have to be destroyed. It's, it's already, it's Bechlal Messiah money. You have the big age, you're not going to go to the small age, which is an age zar. But if I have a cold Yiddishkeit, that's very, very technical, very bureaucratic, even if it's fine, it's a good system, but it will never be able to compete with fire. You see it, you see it practically. Somebody says, I need fire, I need age, I have age. Give me age. So therefore, the Yisoyed of Tefillah, the Yisoyed of the whole Avaidah, the first thing is, is an Eish. So don't think you have to create the Eish. The Eish is there. But the Eish could be dead. The Eish could be, not dead, but concealed. It looks like it's extinguished. That's the reason Chazal say, that's the reason Chazal say, She'asr lechel koydemat tefillah. That one is not allowed to eat before davening. This is a quote from Masech de Brachis, the first Perek, Daf Yud. You're not allowed to eat before davening. Why? So listen to his word. Since a person wants to eat something, and his example of eating something is, say, physical bread, Whenever you go to eat, you have to be in a mental state where you are above the food. Why? Shemitzad ma'alosay, listen to the words now. Shemitzad ma'alosay ha'yiseyda alav, ro'yu lishlet bo'y v'lechel memena. Who b'chal gives you a right to consume food? Who gives you a right? Any food. Here he's talking even vegetarians who eat only bread, they only eat grain. Who gives you a right to detach the stalk? To eat. So he says, but before you eat, we have to establish one thing. You're in a mental state where you're above the food, and Mitzan is Maila, he's Roy, he's worthy to rule over the food and eat it. But since this person is before Davening, it's before he found his own fire. He didn't discover his own fire to burn up his own Moises. Moises means all the extras. All the residue. He's still completely stressed out by the stress of Parnassa, which is basically the staple of human stress. That's the only cheshben. So this person is completely tied below. And therefore he will surrender, he will fall into any physical thing. <coughs> so he and the bread are equal. The bread is material and he's material. <laughs> Who gives you a right to be shaylet and the bread and eat? Before you touch something in the world, there's a sensitivity here. This is a creation. This is a real energy. I can't just squander it. Don't be a narcissist and a dictator. Not everything is for you. Who gave you a right? You're detaching a tomato, you're detaching a fig, a cucumber. Never mind if you're eating a living, you're living, you're eating a fish, you're eating. If I am in the same state, why am I better? Why do I get to eat it? Maybe it should eat me. Or at least, let's call it equal. You go your way, and go your way. Problem is, you're going to starve. So the Balatanya says, the say that a person eats and consumes the world is only if the food wants to be consumed by him. Why does the food want to be consumed by him? Because he made himself worthy of it. What made him worthy of it? He's above. There's a transcendence in him. 
that the food is yearning to be part of his system through which it will experience its own sublimation and transcendence. So he says, before davening, Chazal say, you're not allowed to eat. Why aren't you allowed to eat? Because the eating before davening is nishgegesen. You you are the behemah yourself. That's not fear. If I am a behemah myself, meaning, behemah, I don't mean like they called you uh, names. I mean, in a real sense. If I'm, my mental state is the state of the animal, that's where I am. The animal looks for food, and I look for food. That's basically what happens. An animal wakes up in the morning, you ever on a farm, what do they do in the morning? They look for food. I wake up in the morning, I also look for food. He has grass, I have cheesecake. But the Nakuta is the same. He eats healthy food, I eat unhealthy food. That's because we're more intelligent, so we know how to destroy ourselves. <laughs> Sheep don't have that intelligence to eat things that destroy them. Fine. So, I'm a stupid behemoth. He's a smart behemoth. So why should a stupid behemoth eat a smart behemoth just because he has more power? Because he knows how to shecht. So the word is, and it's not only a behemoth he's talking about, he's talking about even bread. person in the morning usually doesn't eat fleshics. But kaidem hatfilah, I'm not in a mental state where I'm in the position to eat the bread. Why? Because I am physically tied down and the bread is physically tied down. So he says, we're on equal footing. Equal footing, mamish. Equal footing? Why are you ruling somebody else? You learn here from here, Derech Agav. You can't become a leader just because you're a leader. You have to be worthy of it. In other words, what makes you have to inspire leadership. You can't control, you can't coerce. doesn't work that way. One of the Alchets is, right? For the Alchets, I don't know if you looked at the English translations of the Alchets. Bechayzik Yad means the sins that we sin, coercion, to do things through, through forcing. Chayzik Yad means Yad Chazak, I'll force you. So I can't control the food just because I could. It was once a bad, ugly crime in, in, in America, and they asked the teenagers, why do you do this? And they said, because we could. There's no such a thing. In the moral life, it's, it's because the leader deserves the leadership because he's roy for that name. So how can I eat? So he says, He creates a fire. What does the fire destroy? Not his parnosa, his stress over parnosa. There's a different, parnosa you're not supposed to destroy, parnosa you have to make. But the daigas parnas, the stress of the parnas, the stress means that the person is completely enmeshed, engulfed, entrenched by it. There's nothing above it. That becomes the person, like we learned previously, about the person worshipping the parnas, <coughs> the concept of avodah betara, the maimer of shuvi yisrael. That's why they used to be makriv on the mizbeach, not just animals, also soilus chitim lemenachas. Flour of wheat, wheat flour, that was for the Menachas. What was that about? That was also in the fire. What was that? That doesn't present the animal, that represents the concept of bread. <laughs> so I'm not telling you to burn the Parnassa. <laughs> Parnassa you need. The Torah itself, the Tillim says, fortunate is the person who eats from the toil of their own hands. It's a beautiful thing. You make a living and you produce your soilus and you eat it. The stress, you become you're in distress. In other words, it completely defines you. You don't control it, it controls you. 
This comes from the element of fire and heat in the animal soul, but it's an age zada, it's the types of passions that consume a person, there's no serenity, there's no equilibrium anymore, there's no relationship. So as long as the person didn't daven yet, come Chazal and say, I'm going to start eating, I'm not in a mental state where I'm capable of eating. I'm going to cause harm to the food and to myself, because I can't eat. Therefore, I'm not going to eat the way I should eat, I'm not going to treat the food the way, I'm not going to treat myself with the food. Once a person davens, they find that ish within themselves, the ish al-mayla. That ish could burn up the other ish. Now when I eat the food, I'm centered. Now when I eat the food, I'm coming from a place where I'm connected to my true fire, to my true passion. It's a whole different type of breakfast. I understand that the ish of uh, the ochla can consume and be a substitute for other passions that are really zaros. But this is a very real... <coughs> how is the Eishelmai, how is my davening going to take away the Daigam of Parnassim? May a little substitute for, uh, you know, real problem, problematic passions. But this is a real daily stress. What do you think? In terms of Bitochon, in terms of... Uh, I'm just... <laughs> Like Isaac just said, after Davin, he still feels the pressure from Parasa. After Davin, yeah. Wild Davin. No, sir, after, after Davin. The first thing is, That's the first thing. <laughs> I don't mean saying words, thus, yeah, but I'm talking about Davin, but after Davin. But a person who experiences their own divine fire during davening, already the whole parnasa is different. What do I mean the whole parnasa is different? What happens? People go to work. People get calls. People have appointments. They have disappointments. How do I deal with disappointments? (coughs) So if I'm not in a centered place, if I'm not really connected to my own fire, so often I surrender and I lose myself. So therefore... This person's response or that person's response or this experience or that experience could completely derail me and throw me off. When the person has that ish and that avashalamayla that they reveal during davening, so then, yeah, they do what they have to do. But they're completely in a state of confidence, of trust, of clarity, of centeredness. They're not feeling dependent and vulnerable and mediocre, they don't have to be sly and clever and maneuver, they live in somewhat of a more elevated space. And in fact, for business relationships, it's more effective. Because people, today they talk a lot about this, people look for relationships, even when it comes to money, it's, it's, it's not just about the product you're selling, and how uh, conniving you can get, but it's about what you're selling, who you are, and what type of person you are. Any field you are, whether you're selling insurance, or you're selling real estate, whether you're in the field of medicine, or you're in the field of law, or you're a farmer, or whatever it is, but that connection with your own internal self creates a sense of balance, and centeredness, and clarity, and confidence, and faith, and trust, that allows a person to do whatever they have to do. And it's not always comfortable. We don't have to discuss here the pressures of Parnassah that people have. 
and uh, that's what takes that's 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 what uh, helps take it away. But for this, a person has to have a davening. Davening means a few minutes where the person really tunes in to the fire that already exists in their soul, tunes into the extraordinary love, blazing love that exists already within your soul towards your own core which is towards Hashem, towards the core of reality, and therefore towards everything that's real. Then I, then, then, then it, I can have this after davening. Also, there's one more thing I want to say, and that is a lot of the stress of Parnassa is sometimes based on illusions of what I need in my life. Sometimes a person stresses themselves out because of unnecessary <coughs> realities, but somehow this is just what everybody does. When you're connected to your own fire, you can live an independent life. We need Parnassah for things that we need. People need to eat. <coughs> kids need clothes. And people have to pay for their mortgage or for their rent. I'm not talking about that. But very often we all know there are sometimes stresses that people put themselves into simply while the shachin hut. The neighbor, the community, the matzah. What is this one going to say? It's, 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 it's fascinating how people live like this. Sometimes people will... They'll make bar mitzvahs they don't have to make. They'll make, <laughs> they'll make chasinahs they don't have to make. They'll put themselves into chayvahs. Why? Because they're not in touch with their own fire. They're completely, completely dependent on other people. So their whole life revolves around that. That's just another major stress that happens. Who says you're mechuyiv to do everything because plenty and plenty? Why don't you live your own life? Evaluate what you need for your life and you'll see maybe your success story. Maybe it's accepted. You have to be original. You have to think out of the box sometimes. But I'm just saying that's also another stress that's also important to mention. Okay. Mom says, I'm Morgan Bezer Hashem. Want to open the Eish Ochel weight loss program? Ah? Tell you a cute one. It's just the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe. The fifth Lubavitch Rebbe is known as the Rebbe Rashab, Rebbe Shalom Doiv Ber. He was once eating soup. And he wouldn't usually use a fork. I'm saying when he ate, he usually didn't use a fork, even for meat and chicken, because uh, because the nature of a fork, he would use a spoon. The problem is in the soup there was lakshan. I don't know if you ever tried uh, taking lakshan with a soup. It can work, but you have to be a professional. To have the lakshan on the soup. So he was, uh, he picked up a shtick of and it slipped out. So he did it again, slipped out. And it happened once more. So he took a look, and he said, is noch nicht great. She's not ready yet. <laughs> That's called eating with awareness. She's not ready yet. Mindful eating. Mindful, yeah. Complete. That pshat, such a piece of spaghetti wants to go into you. Azach knedel, oh. <laughs> Once he was sitting and uh, he was, uh, it was soup with Knedlach. So he was with his spoon, he was vertracht. So he was like sitting like this with a spoon, he was uh, playing, you know, with the, with, the, with the soup as well. So he had a gabai, they called him Mendel de Mesharis. The Gabayim weren't always they took for Gabayim sometimes uh, not not very wise people. So Mendel sees the Rebbe Machtazoy, 
He says, Rebbe, 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 the knedel is tif, tif in the yoich, as if it gained tif of a tigefinen. If you'll go deeper, you'll find it. You're struggling to find your knedel. He says, go deeper, you'll find it. So he took a look, he said, ah, men lost me given. For him, he was going like this. It was pshitta that he was looking for the knedel. So he said, if it, if it gained tif, if it tigefinen. But it was a good word. You'll go deeper, you'll find it. <laughs> okay. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.